This is the Shoot Once Podcast, a podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets and the NHL, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan, so tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a lifetime. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys Podcast today. And be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, baby! Welcome to the show this week, everyone, folks. Uh, just a uh... Uh, an interesting week in the NHL, that is for sure. One that, that won't be forgotten for a long time for for any number of reasons there, but just 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 crazy. Um I mean obviously we don't have Blue Jackets hockey, but but there are some interesting chats happening in the Blue Jackets sphere at this point. And let's let's get to the thing that seems to be the biggest discussion point at this at this juncture for the Blue Jackets fans is this discussion about what to do at goalie going forward. Now, this week is when on, on Blue Jackets, places, Twitter, Reddits, all that, the discussion about do we trade Jonas or Elvis or something really started to pick up. And it's it's an interesting discussion um, because this team winning that playing round winning that winning that uh you know getting getting i guess one win in the in the Tampa series but but winning that play in round was really on the back of the goaltender so there's you have questions about what really needs to happen from here on out um and, and i guess a lot of it depends on what you think this team needs to to do needs to be going forward here because we discussed it on last week's show how if you look purely at things like the expected goals for numbers the blue jackets uh, i mean you can make a an argument that they could have you know they should have beat the leafs and it was fine for them to beat the leafs the way they did but at no point were their expected goals for numbers good enough to beat the lightning in in really any game of that series and it was a series where they just looked like they, you know, they won one game and were just hanging on throughout it. And when you look at the hockey, and when you look at the goalie statistics, their advanced analytics anyway, it makes it a little more understandable what happened in this round of the playoffs. So Jonas Kropisalo played nine games between the play-in and in the five games against uh, Toronto and then four against Tampa, or five against Tampa, excuse me. Than the five against Tampa. 
So he played nine games all together. Uh, no, nah, that's uh, yeah. He, he no, he didn't play all those games. That's why my numbers getting thrown off. Elvis played a couple of them, but he played nine games in total. When you look at it, his goal saved above average. So essentially, trying to you know we we use this goal save above expected number, and we use this goal saved above average number to get an idea on the average shot. How often would a goalie save it? Looking at expected goals for, uh, looking at the expected goals metric. How many did he save? Jonas Corposalo in those nine games saved 7.48 goals above average. What was expected. The next closest is Carey Price, who had 6.17. And he had he did it in 10 games. So he did it one less game than Corposalo. After that, you get to the Islanders, Semyon Varlamov, Varlamov, who had 5.18 in 12 games. So in three more games than Corposalo, it two less goals saved above average. So this is my point I want to make in in this discussion about saving Jonas Corposalo. Now, maybe your point is, hey, we've got two good goaltenders. Uh, why, why mess that up right now? We don't have to move one of them. And, and I would agree with you on this point in that there's going to be a lot of goaltenders who are going to be, who are going to be available. Uh, Cap-friendly... I wanted to double check it, but I'm pretty sure it is just a huge amount of goalie uh, unrestricted free agents. So when you're looking at goalies, we've got Braden Holtby, Corey Crawford, who are going to be unrestricted free agents. Uh, we've got Robin Leonard, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. We've got Craig Anderson, not, although he probably won't get a whole lot of love. Um, Jimmy Howard, eh. Jacob Marstrom out of, out of Vancouver. Thomas Grice out of, out of the New York Islanders, although, again, maybe not a lot. But, but I mean, right at the top there, between Corey Crawford and, and Braden Holtby, you've got goalies who have won cups and then Robin Leonard for kind of that maybe that younger view although hope he's only 30 but Leonard's 28 I mean you've already got a, a free agent market that's going to be full of goalies there was a story today that the Maple Leafs you know people have inquired with the Maple Leafs about trading for Frederick Anderson is the and the thought is there that he's he's done with his time where this gets tricky for the Blue Jackets is in my personal opinion if you think you can get fair value I trade Corpusalo now because you're never going to get a better value for him uh, i mean it he just had this playoff run where every win people could attribute to him and, and i know for some people they're going to look at that and say oh well then we should keep him we should we shouldn't let him go we need to keep this player and 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 make him our starter and all that and and not and you know, look at look at that whole thing. But let's also take into account that when we grow the sample size for the course of the season in thirty seven games, his goal saved above average was point four three. Yeah. In thirty seven games. What I think happened is Yonis Corposalo, who has talent, went on an incredible bender. If this team had been any better, they still would have been playing. I mean, that's the thing. When you look at that expected goals for percentage, when you look at the Corsi 4, it tells you the forward talent 
wasn't there to create any sense of real offense that this team could have actually scored goals on a one games. If this team had been 50, 50 in Corsi four in in half their games, this team would have beat Tampa. This team wouldn't have taken as many games that did to beat Toronto. They would still be playing in this playoff. And, and to me, that's what this comes down to is it's a philosophy of team building. Cause if you're trying to build a team on a hot goalie, Maybe sometimes you'll do okay, but if that goalie's not hot, you're in trouble. So if it's me doing the building here, if it's me saying who making those trades, if someone gives me something worth it for Jonas, I'm taking it. And when I say something worth it, if you can get, I mean, honestly, even in just a package, get something that's either that you can either turn into or add into other get packages to get like a second line player, you do it. Because you need to increase the quality of the forward group. And some of it may be just letting the younger guys play. Because I've seen that being a big argument that's been happening. People are just saying, oh, we'll just let those younger guys play more in their develop. Maybe that's all it's, it's going to take. But long term, this team is not keeping both of those goalies. One of them is going to go. If you can get the deal this year, you take the deal this year. Because let, let's be honest here. I mean, in a year where 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 salary cap space is going to be huge, if you can trade Jonas Corposalo and you replace his um replace his his pay with uh you know a Venny Venalinen or a Matiskill Lynx who's going to be around a million or so, and you can save a million on the salary cap. You save about probably 1.8 million if you trade Jonas. That would be huge. I mean, that's something that you can use to try. And maybe if if you do want to, I mean, I, we've heard it said they're probably not going to go after a Taylor Hall. That uh, this team's probably not going to build through free agency. But if you're building through trades, having that additional cap room could be huge. Uh, so if it's me, I'd make the deal because I just don't think that Jonas Corposalo is ever going to have a run like he did in this playoff again. And you know what? If you trade him somewhere and he does it, I mean, that's possible. But I just wouldn't, to me, I wouldn't count on it. I'd almost be as if the same thing as if someone comes to you and offers Alexander Wenberg, offer something for him because he had, you know, goals in the in the last few games of the playoffs. And they're like, oh, he'll, he'll be a playoff performer for us. If somebody wants to offer you something for him, you take it in a second. You just take it and move on from him because too many teams fall in love with a playoff player and they're like oh he's he's just a playoff guy and and i mean i think there's a few of those in the league when someone can do it again and again and they can repeat it but i don't think there's many of those and i don't i don't know if Jonas is one i don't i know wenberg isn't one i'd be stunned but that would be my move um as far as how i would go about this and, and make those deals so so in frank's quick quick thing to wrap it up on that you trade Jonas. If there's a good deal, if there's something approaching a good deal, I think you take it. Uh, if you think somebody's overbuying, overpaying at all, you definitely take it. Um, and if you can just get draft picks out of the deal, that's great because draft picks are that that currency that helps move the whole thing forward. So that's what I would do. I would be all about that, just making sure that happens, uh, getting you know getting what you can out of that deal. Now, the next thing I want to just t- t- touch on from this week. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, we've discussed this a little bit, that the Coyotes have, have 
they were they were under investigation for uh, the allegation was that they were taking illegal measurements of players at, at little combines that weren't supposed to exist. Essentially, these are rules in place that the league cannot so that potentially uh, a team with money or say a team close to a bunch of uh, like CHL teams can't go and have them do private workouts for them. Uh, this was done as much for the CHL teams as much as it was done for the NHL. I mean, obviously, you can see some teams, if you have a lot of, or if you're close to a lot of those markets, it being easy, but everybody's always got scouts there. It was really done because CHL teams were having problems with their players who they wanted to focus on their games and their practice time would get, you know, throughout the course of a season, a dozen different guys requesting workouts. And then they'd take two or three hours, go do the workout, and then that player was now more tired for a game that night or missed practices or missed film sessions, things like that. So what's, what apparently seems to be stunning to some people around the league is that the Coyotes were hit with the hammer. Uh, some people thought that maybe there was kind of this backdoor punishment in that John Chaika, since he'd already left the team, the league could just be like, oh, well, he's suspended for a year or something. And then if he wants to come back to hockey, he could, and that way he'd quote-unquote served a punishment. Um the same people, you know, it, it would be a la, car, a la the uh, the same way some people said that when Michael Jordan retired, he was serving some kind of punishment for for gambling, which isn't true at all. That was just a, a conspiracy theory, but it, I guess it would be kind of the same idea there. But what they were punished with, they had to forfeit. Um, they will forfeit their twenty twenty second round pick and their twenty twenty first round pick. Now they're. 2021 first round pick now their 2020 first round pick was already traded so i think that's why that was skipped but they were taking their second round pick and then their first in 2021 so at this point uh at this point the coyotes do not have a pick in the first three rounds this season next season they have a first round they do not have a first round pick uh So they their pick right now, um, it's a conditional pick in the Taylor Hall trade, where uh, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out. But essentially, it, it, you know, they either have a second or a third next season, depending on how that's going to work out for them. So, in the next two years, they have one pick in the first three rounds, which is tough. Elliot Friedman wrote in his 31 Thoughts that there's apparently discussions that. With a new GM coming in and with the owners of the Coyotes being heavy into casinos and that being where a lot of their money is, they are taking a hit from this, from the financial aftermath and, and all the issues with COVID. Uh, so there's there's talk that they may be looking to even try and do a rebuild, especially if Taylor Hall doesn't resign. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Now, if you're me and you're the Blue Jackets, this is where you start looking around. I mean, I understand Yarmo hates not having first-round picks, but if you can get a player that can step in and be on that number one, you know, be be a top six forward, it's worth it for a number one pick. I I, I really liked the way Yarmo Kekalainen, uh um, maybe it wasn't Yarmo. I think it was some other time team years ago. They a team traded away a bunch of draft picks to get a bunch of players, and people said, "Oh well, you know, without a draft, how do you feel about your about what's going on this year without much of a draft?" And the coach essentially 
just equated each player they'd gotten in a draft to a draft pick and said, oh, well, that's our pick here, and we're really happy with this, and we're happy with that. If I'm Yarmo and you've got the Coyotes all, you know, and you can get one of their pieces of young talent for a first or something, you do it. Um, now, maybe you've got a deal coming where, you know, Taylor Hall, you can you can sign him to something now that he's not leaving there, but I, I really think you start looking at, at trade options. Now, I understand somebody like a Clayton Keller is going to be a lot. I understand somebody like Nick Schmaltz is going to be a lot. But, but if you can get a young center, and the thing is at this point, because you've got a Pierre-Luc Dubois, neither of those guys has to be the number one center. They can be the number two center, and you can keep building around that. And then you'd have your one and your two, and it would be it'd be great. I mean, that would be what I'd go for. And if you can get them for draft picks, I mean, you're you're getting a team in the Columbus Blue Jackets. We've talked about this before on our show a little bit, and it it again, I think it's antithetical to how a lot of the league is is talking about the Blue Jackets. But I think you have a team that, in some ways, again, we're a piece away as far as an offensive piece, but a lot of our players are heading into their primes. I mean, Cam Atkinson's at the tail end of his. Gustav Nyquist is right at the end of his. Um, you've got Bjorkstrand entering his. You've got Alexand- You've got Pierre-Luc Dubois at 22. He's right about to get into his. Uh, Seth Jones at 25. He's getting into his. Zach Rinsky at 23, right about into his. You've got one more year of Ryan Murray, one more year of David Savard, and in their kind of their top-end places. And if you can make a deal to get somebody who's 22, 23 and stick them into this lineup, I would do it. I would do it without even thinking. So that would be my my plan on doing it. Now, obviously, you want to do it for the right price, but honestly, the price doesn't have to be that high. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be that, that low. I would be pretty happy with a lot of different options there. Um, I mean, looking at their players, I think... I think Nick Schmaltz is probably the one you're most likely to get out of that. Now, what have we got there? You've got a 24-year-old center. Um, as far as stats go, this year in 70 games, 11 goals, 34 assists, so a 45-point center, which could fit in very well as a second-line center. Um, his... Yes, I mean there there'd be there'd be things there you could do uh, if you can get Clayton Keller. I don't think you can because I mean that's the thing when you're the Coyotes. It's the kind of thing where if you once you have that player, um, he's young enough that to rebuild around him there probably isn't going to happen. But at the same time, you're talking about a guy that's you know this year he's a 44 point player so maybe another close to 50 point scorer especially if he'd had a full 82 games this season only getting 70 so i would go there after each one of those either one of those players um, that'd just be my my thing call get the information on it see what you can do last big story for the week and and i think it's the one everybody knows it's coming is what happened with the 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 second pause of the season i guess the two days where hockey went dark in support of Black Lives Matter and associated movements, and, and the, you know the whole, just the, not associated movements, but just the whole uh, systemic racism is an issue here thing, and I mean, the players. I, I've seen a lot of people already coming down on me, like, "Oh, I'm never watching again. I'm not doing this." And there was the letter from the L- the Las Vegas Police Department Union. 
but the thing is pretty much all of what the players said was just there's issues with systemic racism in this country that need to be addressed. The fact that then some groups came out and said, oh, that makes me angry. I think systemic racism is a really difficult thing to argue. It doesn't exist. I mean, that's just, I, I mean, this is a, a soapbox I'll do here for just a minute, but I mean, it's, it's just well known that the average wealth of a black family is like what a 10th or a 12th of what the average wealth of a white family is. I mean, that's insane. I think the average wealth of a black family is like $8,000 and the average white family is 121,000. I mean, it, you know, when you look at almost any demographic, when it comes to wealth issues, crime, anything, black people are either disproportionately poor or disproportionately in more trouble with the police, or it's always disproportionate. And, and the question I ask people is, okay, do you believe that black people are just as moral and good as white people? If the question's running around in your head, you're not sure. The answer is yes. If you had to think about it, it's time to do some self-evaluations. Um, do you think, you know, black people are more just, you know, care less about their families? Or do you think they, you know, or in any way do you think black people are inherently more negative than other, other races? And the answer to all these questions is no. If the answer to your, in your mind, any of those questions is yes, again, it's time for self-evaluation. It's time to understand your own prejudices and, and biases and, and try and work on those. But if, if the answer to all of them is, well, no, they're all, they're the same in every way. Then you have a question of, well, then why is, why are they more in trouble with police? Why do they have lower incomes? Why do all those things happen? And that's where systemic racism kicks in. Now, what caused this, how to fix it, those are things we can debate. Um, I've heard some people try and come back with, oh, well, there's this reason their wealth is less. Okay, well, then does that is that an issue with society? Is that an issue with our, something our government put in place? What Where did that issue come from? The, the, the NHL players were making about as bland a statement as you can on Black Lives Matter, which is, yes, there is systemic racism. Yes, we should all be aware of it and want to fix it. It's that simple. If you don't think that's a problem, just you gotta you gotta be looking at things. You've got to be reading and you've got to be listening to people who aren't you and who don't look like you or have your life experiences. And I'm probably making some people mad at saying this, but I just don't care. You need to be looking at these things because to to if you want to come to a different conclusion about how to fix it, I mean this. I mean the thing about the Las Vegas Police Department, I'm really confident there i'm i'm hoping their response was to the whole part of black lives matter that say defund the police because if it's about if it's about something else i have more concerns but i can understand if you work for a police department and people are saying defund the police that rubs you the wrong way because that's that's your whole career that's what you do but so if you want to have specific arguments about you know well maybe defunding the police isn't the way to fix this problem fine that's a discussion that can be had but just the fact that these discussions need to happen, I don't really think is, it's tough to debate it before you just start sounding, before you have to completely abandon facts. So that's where I'm at. If it loses listeners or if people don't like it, I'm sorry. It just is what it is. These, this, is a, this is an objective thing that exists in my mind and in every fact I've read about all of these things. So um, they they pulled away for two days. The big part of the controversy obviously being that the NBA went dark. Almost every other sport went dark on Wednesday except baseball. 
and hockey waited till Thursday. I I think part of that is something that I will confess is a lot of hockey is a predominantly white sport, especially the NHL. It's super white. Whereas these other sports where people started draw, started saying, nope, we're shutting down the NBA, the WNBA, uh, MLS, a lot of people of color in those sports. So there there might have been a quicker thing to say, nope, we're showing solidarity, we're doing this. Um, the NHL, their players, I think Nathan McKenna is the one who said, yeah, we're a day late on it, but the best we can do is what we can do now. And I that that's a I can understand that as a thing to say. I can also understand, and this is getting into... Again, things people probably aren't too worried about on a hockey podcast, but I'm just going to say it. It is uh, the reason these a lot of these players, because it's been documented that a lot of them texted Ryan Reeves uh, of the Las Vegas Golden Knights about what he thought they should do. Because there is a concern sometimes about, oh, if we jump in, are we going to look like we're just jumping on it? Are we going to look like we're... Uh, this the, the you know using one of the the buzzwords of things appropriating it what are, what does it look like we're doing and we want to make sure we're doing this for the right reasons I I could see where maybe some type of delay was part of it the fact that it took a whole night and they didn't have those conversations before was kind of strange to me but I I get it um, I get that with these things for a lot of these guys this is uncharted territory stepping into social issues this is strange for them and and it just took them longer to jump to it than they to come to the the same conclusion that the NBA did on things. So, uh, I mean, that's my two cents on it. And, uh, and we'll be seeing how it goes further from here. It'll be an interesting discussion about what the NHL does or doesn't do going forward from there. But thank you guys all very much for listening. Uh, hopefully we've got more jacket stuff coming out, but again, with the playoffs, they probably aren't doing going to do too much. Although there could be an all season trade in the playoffs. Who knows? It's very possible too, with how quickly we're going to have go from the off season. Once we hit the end of the Stanley cup final, to getting into the 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 draft and free agency and all that but thank you guys very much for listening and go jackets are you looking for a new jersey is there a new player you want do you want to do you want an elvis jersey do you do you get excited about are you looking forward to the draft when a uh when the blue jackets make a first round pick and you can whoever it is you want to get a jersey of them right away i don't know whatever you're looking for i do know that what you want to do is you want to go to coolhockey.com slash thpn when you want to get a jersey uh, and use the promo code THPN because you're going to get uh, you're going to get thirty percent off there at the website and and CoolHockey.com. I know that when you're searching around for jerseys online, you're wondering, am I going to get something that's worth it? Am I going to get one of these weird knockoffs where the numbers are all weird? What's going to happen? CoolHockey.com is going to have a great selection for you. They ensure that every product that leaves the doors is done to the specifications of the NHLPA. They don't outsource their jerseys for customization, so they're able to offer you all the best ones, um, great quality on it. Uh, so again, go to coolhockey.com slash THPN, so forward slash THPN, and use the promo code THPN for all your hockey jersey needs. Again, coolhockey.com slash THPN. Please connect with the show on Twitter at ShootOncePod. And thank you for listening to the Shoot Once Podcast.